All right. Um, <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> God is good. Thank you, Lord. Well, are you mic'd up or are you just using the handheld? Okay. So come on up. For those who don't know, I am blessed to have this as my first child, my beautiful, my, yeah, she likes to tell me I'm her favorite child. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean. Oh, she actually, here, hold it up. She got a new tattoo, and it's a uh, longhorn skull for Texas, representing Texas. And then on it, it has number 68 and number 73 which are my high school and college football numbers. So oh, she was trying to milk me for some more money. You know, so. But anyway, glory to God. I, I'm, I'm excited to hear her minister the word. She's an anointed woman of God. I'm not trying to blow, uh, build her up or anything like that, but I believe you're going to be tremendously blessed. Amen? So welcome her like you welcome me. Amen. <laughs> Hi, guys. All right, let me get this open real quick. Alrighty, well, it's kind of interesting how the Lord is. <laughs> he's pretty cool, right? He knows what he's doing. Um, so when me and Casey um, came back from Boise, we went to Boise last month. I don't remember exactly what time. But we had met up with um, Casey's old pastor, who's just like a mentor into our life. And one of the things that we had talked about was the importance of giving our pastors rest and so um, when we came home, I kind of was talking to my parents about it a little bit and uh, expressed that, like how I think it would be awesome for them to take some time um, to just rest, you know, to not really have to focus in on preaching or preparing a message, even though that's what they're anointed to do and called to do. And so um, that's why you've seen me in the announcement say, like, we decided to do things differently this month. And um, my dad, of course, <laughs> then presented me with the opportunity to preach. And let me tell you, I immediately said no. <laughs> I was just like, no, there's someone else. Like, it's okay. And it, this was kind of like a few weeks before now, so I had a lot of time to think about it. Um, and that's what he said. Take some time, think about it. But my mind was uh, pretty much already made up. Um, you know, I kind of had this feeling like, I'm just not really where I'm supposed to be. Not that I'm dealing with like sin issues, for instance, or whatever, but just kind of feeling like maybe like this has been a season of God really healing me and pouring into me. And to some degree, it feels like, you know, there's there's someone else out there who's probably a little bit more qualified than me. So that's kind of like it wasn't anything out of like, oh, I'm just you know, I'm dealing with a lot of issues or whatever, but it was more just like there's someone probably better equipped to do it. So anyways, I just kind of, you know, I told him, okay, I'll think about it. And so um, a few weeks back, there was an event that happened in Manhattan that um, my husband and I went to with our daughter. And um, when we were leaving and we were driving here to the bus to get some coffee, um, I just kind of was thinking about like what it would be like to stand up here and to minister. And as I was imagining that and what that looked like um the lord just kind of like downloaded stuff into my heart and i was like shoot <laughs> all right uh, i have to do it and so i texted my dad very quickly because i did not want to lose that momentum and i knew i needed to do it and so i just said you know i will preach those three simple words and i think that he knew i was going to he just had to let me like get it on my own so yeah, then I just kind of started to panic a little bit and think about, okay, God, like, I'm saying yes, um, and you're going to do the rest. And that's kind of interesting because that whole situation is exactly what the Lord um, wanted me to talk about today. And um, yeah, so basically it's talking about saying yes. What is God asking you to do that you need to say yes. And that's kind of convenient that that worked out. I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> um, so when we got to the buzz that day and I kind of talked to my mom and said, oh, like the Lord told me I need to do it. She wasn't surprised either. And she hadn't preached yet. And so I was kind of talking to her a little bit about what she was going to be talking about. And I was like, wow, okay. Like that's somewhat similar to what I feel like the Lord's calling me to, to share. 
And then, um, unfortunately, our other guest minister, my wonderful Uncle John, wasn't able to minister last week, so my dad stepped up and uh, finished out his uh, series, which was on the power, faith in the power of God. And it was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. And as he is ministering, I am literally just on my phone taking notes. Like, God was just showing me so much. And so, you know, it's not a coincidence that these things kind of all line up. You know, I think that the Lord is really trying to get something across to us, especially in the day and age that we live. We just, we do not have time to waste. And um, yeah, so another thing that my dad mentioned last week was that after this event, he's going to be starting a new series on um, how to hear from God. Is that right? Hearing from the Lord, which is going to be awesome. And so, and that kind of ties into what I'm going to be talking about. And so, um, yeah, if you have any questions about how do I hear from God or have I heard from God, I encourage you to come on out and listen to that little shameless plug there. So anyways, let's get going. So I kind of want to speak more directly to those of us who um, feel as though we have heard from God about something or, you know, there's something that's been brewing in our hearts and, um, well, we just haven't stepped out and done it yet. And I just want you to know, like I said, if you feel like, I don't know if I've heard from God or I don't know if this is God or I don't know how to hear from God, I really want to emphasize to you the importance of getting alone with the Lord and that personal relationship with God that can't be emphasized enough because that's where you're going to hear from him. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to lead and guide you. And um, yeah, so that's very, very important. And I also want to clarify too, it doesn't have to be all spiritual things. The Lord cares about the little tiny details of our life. And sometimes what he's asking you to do may not seem very big, but it is still important to God, right? So I'm kind of just going to share with you an example that I've been walking through. And when I do this, it's kind of like putting some pressure on me because my dad's going to hear this or whatever. But um, some of you have heard me kind of share what I've been going through with my health. Um, Back in February, I think it was, January or February, um, I basically, long story short, got diagnosed with a hypothyroid. Um, I had been feeling really horrible very fatigued, brain brain fog, not brain frog, (laughs) and um, just feeling really, really bad. And so um, went in and got some blood work done, and my thyroid was just super sluggish. And, um, you know, it's pretty cool, though, because before I got, you know, my results back, the Lord had already been dealing with me on what he wanted me to do, changes he wanted me to make in my life. So when I found out about what the diagnosis was, I had already been putting into practice what I knew the Lord needed me to do to continue to um, walk out my healing. And so um, for those however many months, I've been doing the things the Lord's asked me to do, which is just eating better quality food. I've been supplementing a little bit. I did um, end up deciding to take thyroid medication. I was kind of like, oh, am I not in faith? But the Lord dealt with me and said, you know what, this is what I want you to do. And now I'm at the point where I'm actually not taking it at all and I feel wonderful. So that's great. But one of the other things that God started to put on my heart that I kept on ignoring and ignoring and ignoring and trying to find excuses for was um, what I felt like the Lord was saying was the last big step that I needed to make in my life to really see that manifestation of healing in my life. And um, that was working out. (laughs) If you know anything about me, I do not like to work out. It is not fun. I am not like my brother. I do not like to wake up early um, and work out. And I've, you know, I was an athlete in the past and that seemed a lot easier because you're just, you know, running around playing basketball. But yeah, working out and me just don't really have a good history. So (laughs) anyways, so I kind of was thinking about that. And how God was ask, has been asking me to work out. And um, I'll have you know, I've been working out three weeks straight now, so I'm pretty proud of that. But uh, there was a few reasons that I think I just could really identify why I was just continuing to put it off. And the number uh, one reason I saw was what I just said, putting it off till tomorrow. Um, 
my goodness. Nah. No. <laughs> the devil. No, <laughs> my daughter loves spiders. That is just so weird to me. I don't know what she is definitely like her dad, because no thank you. Anyways, what I was saying, <laughs> um, the number one reason for me was putting off till tomorrow. So if you know who I am, if you know my personality, you know I'm very type A. I like to have a plan. If I don't have a plan, if it's not organized, it's a no-go for me, okay? And so with that being said, there would be times where I'd be spending that quality time with the Lord, and I'd feel like, okay, I need to start working out. The Lord's, you know, really making that clear to me. But it's a Wednesday. I can't start on a Wednesday, right? Like, I cannot start in the middle of the week. God, I'll start on Monday fresh. Monday comes along. Uh, something else came up, God, okay? Don't you understand? <laughs> so that was one of the big reasons for me. The next one was... Um, Insecurity, fear, fear of failing again. Um, there's, like I said, I have a not so good history with working out. There's been a lot of times I've been very, very successful. And then there's been a lot of times that I haven't. And I think that to some degree I've come to a point or I did go come to a place where I felt like what is the point of trying if I'm just gonna fail again, you know? So that was another reason. And then the last one, which honestly, is the major reason for me in this particular example, is it's uncomfortable. <laughs> My body doesn't like it. I do not like working out. I don't like doing squats. It doesn't feel good in the moment. So, yeah, those are the three biggest reasons. And I kind of wanted to break those down because I think we can apply those, um, whether it's working out for you or a different, different reason. So, um, yeah, I want to break those down. So let's start with number one, which, if you recall, it was um, putting it off until tomorrow. Uh, so let's label that as procrastination, right? I think we've all probably procrastinated a little bit in our lives, just a little bit. <laughs> I uh, remember back in school, sorry, Dad, that there would be times that we would have projects or like homework due or whatever, and we would put it off until last minute. And I'm saying we because I think my brother did this way more than me, but <laughs> um, put it off until last minute. Oh, I'll get it done, I'll get it done. And then that last night before it's due is there, and then you're just like so stressed out. And um, my dad ended up doing a lot of that work for us. <laughs> But there was a lot of stress that I could have avoided if I would have just applied myself and taken the time that I was given to actually work on it. Of course, as a teenager, who thinks like that? I mean, if you did, good for you, but I did not. Um, but anyways, the Bible is really um, cool because it says something really um, similar to what I'm explaining. So um, I would have you turn with me, but I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. So if you have, like, the Bible app or you do have your Passion Bible, then you can follow along. If not, they are going to put it on the screen for me. I think it's in there. <laughs> yep. So we're going to just read out of Proverbs 6, and we're going to be starting in verse 6. Awesome. It says, When you're feeling lazy, come and learn a lesson from this tale of the tiny ant. Yes, all you lazy bones, come learn from the example of the ant and enter into wisdom. The ants have no chief, no boss, no manager. No one has to tell them what to do. You'll see them working and toiling all summer long, stockpiling their food in preparation for winter. So wake up, sleepyhead. How long will you lie there? When will you wake up and get out of bed? If you keep nodding off and thinking, I'll do it later, or say to yourself, I'll just sit back a while and take it easy. Just watch how the future unfolds. By making excuses, you'll learn what it means to go without. Poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and move in as a roommate for life. Ouch. When I read that, oh my goodness, that stuffed on my toes a little bit. <laughs> the Bible has a way of doing that, right? Kind of like hitting us in those spots that we're dealing with. Um, but I want to look... 
at that uh, set of scriptures again, but I'm going to be reading it out of the Message Bible now, and they will put that on there as well. It says, you lazy fool, look at an ant, watch it closely, let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer, it stores up food. At harvest, it stockpiles provision. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life, poverty, your permanent house guest. Yeah. So, you know, obviously this can be applied to just many different things, much more than just working out, much more than just working. It can apply to so many different areas of our life, but the principle still remains the same. If we continue to put off what we know the Lord is asking us to do, we will reap the consequences. Now, I'm not trying to be like all harsh and come out here and like put condemnation on anyone at all. I do not want you to feel that, okay? Um, but it's just really important for us to grab a hold of this because, like I said, the day and age we live in, we don't have time to waste. We don't have time to take a day off here and a day off there. And that's why I really liked that translation because that really hit me hard. I was the queen of days off. And so um, I just also want to remind you that we really don't see the big picture. <laughs> we only see this little tiny minute part of our life. We don't realize how saying yes in that little moment is going to affect so much more. But we have a God who knows all, amen? And that's why it's important to have that personal relationship with him. In his loving kindness towards me and towards you, he ministers to us in a very specific personal way. He knows what you need. He knows what you've been dealing with. And he knows what you need to continue to walk out what he's asking you to do. You know, I believe he wants us to live our absolute best life. And if you are taking notes, um, that's kind of what I've called this is, do you want to live your best life? Just say yes. Okay, so if you want to put a title on it. I'm a note taker, so type A. <laughs> but we cannot live our best lives if we continue to put off tomorrow what we are called to do today. So like I said, I don't want you to feel any guilt or shame or condemnation in that if you've been putting stuff off. I mean, I am definitely still walking through things and growing. We will continue to do that. But I know the Lord was leading me to share this for a reason, and I know that he wants us to grab a hold of it, like I've been saying. Alrighty, so the next reason for not saying yes to what God was asking me to do was fear, or you can say insecurity. Um, and I probably think that this is one of the biggest things that we all deal with. Um, you know, when it came to starting to work out for me, like I said, that fear of failing kept me really bound up. Um, I had tried so many times before, and I had failed, and it just didn't feel good. <laughs> so, you know, maybe you can relate to that in your life. Or, um, you know, use this example, me standing in front of you right now. When my dad asked me to do it, immediately all the thoughts of why I couldn't and all that insecurity flooded me. There's someone else who's better than me. Or God, like, you know, I'm dealing with things, like how can you use me? But, um, yeah, insecurity, it stinks. It really stinks. It's literally like being locked in a prison in your mind. I know that there has been certain things that the Lord has been having me walk out, certain, like healing me from certain things that I've dealt with for literally as long as I can remember. And it's not an easy thing to work through. But believing the lies of the enemy and giving into that fear has kept me honestly, from stepping out and doing a lot that I know the Lord has asked me to do. In fact, I think that it's kept a lot of people from fulfilling their destiny because they've allowed themselves to believe those lies. But when you really break that down, you take a step back, isn't it silly that we, we would just believe those lies of fear and insecurity? We would believe them over the faith-filled, powerful words that our Heavenly Father says over us, that we would trust 
and what the enemy is saying over what our heavenly father is saying, I mean, that's honestly pretty silly, don't you think? It's really silly. And I wish, you know, I feel like we should keep that at the forefront of our mind whenever we're feeling those moments of fear or anxiety or insecurity. But I just want to remind you that when God calls you to do something, he is not calling you to fail. I want to repeat that because that is huge. When he's calling you to do something, when he asks you to do something, he is not calling you to failure. That is not in his nature. So let us put those lies of the enemy to rest, amen? Because it's when we start to give in to those lies and we start to believe those lies as truth, that's when we weaken. That's when we start to lose focus of what God's called us to do. So I just wanted to dive in to another set of scriptures, and um, we're just going to be taking a look at Isaiah 6. And I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version. So we're going to start in verse 1. Awesome. In the year that King Uzziah, pretty cool name, Uzziah, yeah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw in a vision the Lord sitting on a throne, high and exalted, with a train of his royal robe filling the most holy parts of the temple. Above him, seraphim, heavenly beings, stood. Each one had six wings. With two wings, he covered his face. With two wings, he covered his feet. And with two wings, he flew. And one called out to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, and the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of ceremonially unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I just want to stop there for a second. So if you don't know, this is Isaiah speaking. He is getting this vision from the Lord, and what is the first thing that happens? First of all, let's just talk about this. The vision from the Lord, you're seeing these heavenly angels saying, holy, holy, holy. I mean, that is unreal to me. But the first thing that happens to Isaiah is he begins to feel insecure. He begins to feel like, whoa, like, woe is me. Like, I'm not good enough. But can you imagine if Isaiah gave in to these doubts? Let's continue to read on in verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Listen carefully. This has touched your lips. Your wickedness, your sin, your injustice, your wrongdoing is taken away and your sin atoned for and forgiven. Wow. So in that instant, that insecurity that flooded Isaiah was instantly wiped away in just a moment. And it really is what made way for verse 8, and I really like this verse. Verse 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. I want to be like Isaiah. I want to say, Lord, despite everything, despite all my insecurity, despite all my fear of failure, Lord, here I am. I want you to use me. You know, like I said, it's easy to believe those lies because we feel like maybe we need to live up to a certain level or that we need to be perfect in order for God to use us. But I really truly believe that God likes to use people who are unlikely to be used. And, you know, um, like I said, I just want to be like Isaiah. God's not calling us to perfection. He's calling us to be obedient. He's calling us to live in surrender and humility to him. Obviously, We are called to be imitators of Christ. So naturally, we're going to move towards perfection in our life because when you look like Jesus, you're going to look pretty perfect. But God understands that we live in a fallen world, that we deal with things. He knows what you're going to deal with. He knows what's coming. But all he's wanting you to do is just say, God, despite it all, here I am. Here I am. I want to be used by you. I say yes to you, God. 
And you know what? God does not call the equipped. He equips the call. Do you hear that? So when he's calling you, he is giving you every single thing you need to walk out what he's asking you to do. Amen? Every single thing. So if you're questioning if you're good enough to do what God is asking you to do, or you're feeling those, uh, those anxieties, that stress, that fear like I was experiencing of, I don't want to fail again. Let me remind you that when God called you, he knew what you were going to go through, like I said. He knew what you would need. And all he was asking from you is a simple yes. A simple yes. And when you say yes, the rest follows. That's the goodness of God. The last thing I wanted to talk about or the last step that I was dealing with was being uncomfortable. Like I said, if you've ever done squats, okay, squats, eh, you know what, they're fine. It's lunges for me. Has anyone ever, like, worked out and done lunges? Oh, my goodness. Those are hard. My body hates them, okay? So, <laughs> in fact, I would say I'm quite uncomfortable when I work out. <laughs> but, um, you know, uncomfortability, which uncomfortability I came to find out is not a word. I tried typing that in, and apparently that's not a word. So bear with me. I invented it. Um, so being uncomfortable can look a lot of different ways for every single one of us. Like I mentioned, my brother, he loves to work out. He's an absolute beast. Don't tell him I said that. But um, he is so good at waking up early and going to the gym and getting done what he needs to get done. Um, that's not uncomfortable for him. But there's other things that he would probably label as being pretty uncomfortable. For a lot of years, talking in front of people was really uncomfortable for him. Isn't that right? <laughs> we used to have to order his food for him or whatever. But he's moved p past that. But you could probably, you know, look inwardly and think, you know, this is really uncomfortable for me. I do not like doing this. Or, you know, like I said, me standing up here, it's not comfortable for me to be talking in front of people. I might be outgoing and, like, it might be good. For, like, I know how to talk. Riley says I like to hear my own voice. But <laughs> it's not comfortable to stand here. It would be so much easier for me to sit right there and hear someone else be speaking right now. But we have to say yes when God's asking us to do things, right? You know, um, and that's a great example of being uncomfortable with how you guys perceive me, my ego. I don't want you guys to think I'm lame or a loser or what I have to say is not good enough. But when you step out, God knows what you need, right? So the biggest thing when we're dealing with being uncomfortable is our flesh. Our flesh hates stepping outside the box. Our flesh hates being stretched like I said, doing squats or push-up. It hurts. It's challenging. My flesh would prefer to not. My pr flesh would prefer to sit and to watch a show or to do something else. But in that uncomfortability comes results. And you know what? I'm going to let in on a little secret. If God is calling you to do something, it's probably going to be uncomfortable. I'm sorry to say that. I'm not trying to get it so that you guys, my whole goal in this is for you to say yes, not to scare you away from it. But a lot of times what God is asking us to do is going to stretch us. But trust me, when you obey God, being uncomfortable for a moment is far, far better than running away and creating more problems and creating more uncomfortability. Um, we're going to talk about Jonah for a second. I'm not going to read um, any of the scriptures on it because I think we're all pretty familiar with the story of Jonah. But let's break it down in a nutshell. Here's Jonah. He's a prophet. He's being used by God to minister. He's living the life. He's pretty comfortable with what he's doing. And he's doing great things for God, right? Then God had to come in and ruin that for him. <laughs> God said, hey, Jonah, have you heard of this town called Nineveh? Yeah, God. Yeah, well, I need you to go and to minister to these people. Are you kidding me? Have you heard about Nineveh? Have you heard about how ungodly they are? Why would you want me to go there, God? He immediately is questioning what God's asking him to do. But on a side note, I want to say this. Nobody's too far gone for God. Amen? Even the people of Nineveh, right? 
So here's Jonah. He is uncomfortable with what God's asking him to do. So what does he decide to do? He runs away. He gets on a ship, and he's trying to run away from what God's asking him to do. So he's on this ship, and all of a sudden, the storm starts to brew in. And I'll just tell you this. This is not only affecting Jonah. This is affecting that crew as well. Thankfully, Jonah comes to his senses and realizes, okay, this is my problem. I need to, I need to deal with this. So they throw him off. And then what happens? He gets swallowed up by a whale. And let me tell you, I want to see a replay of this in heaven someday because I think this is pretty awesome. <laughs> so he gets swallowed up by a whale, and the storm you know, goes away. The crew is saved. And, you know, here was Jonah. He's running away from God. He, think he's, he thinks he's being sly and smart, that he can get away with what God's ask, get away from what God's asking him to do. But what ends up happening? Just because he was uncomfortable with that one thing God was asking him to do, he opened up the door to a bunch more of uncomfortability. Do you think sitting in the belly of a whale was pretty comfortable for Jonah? I mean, we've seen movies. I keep on thinking of the VeggieTales movie. <laughs> like, they can't even begin to describe how disgusting and nasty. I cannot even imagine the smell of that. That is uncomfortable, okay? So the rest of the story is, as we know, Jonah ends up getting, going to Nineveh. He gets spit out of the whale, and he decides to obey God. After all of that, he finally decides, okay, God, I'm going to obey you. But let me tell you, he actually still thinks that after he ministers to the people of Nineveh, that God's going to still destroy them. But to his, to, to his surprise, their hearts began to become tender towards the things of God. And that entire city of Nineveh was saved because of Jonah being obedient to God. So, yeah, let me get to my notes. You know, there's a lot of things that I get out of this story. Obviously, what we're talking about, being uncomfortable. He could have avoided a lot, a lot, if he would have just trusted God and obeyed the first time. But instead, he put himself in a position to go through a lot of junk that he didn't need to go through. And I can relate to that to many different areas of my life. And another thing that I get out of this is that when you say yes to God, it affects so much more than yourself. It wasn't just Jonah whose life was in danger on that boat. It was the entire crew's lives that were in danger. And not only that, if he wouldn't have ended up going to Nineveh, the entire city of Nineveh would have been destroyed. That's a lot of people whose lives were affected by Jonah's yes. That is a lot to swallow when we think about when God asks us to do something. There's a ripple effect. It affects far beyond just me. So, like I said, when God calls us to do things, it can be super uncomfortable to our flesh. But that's where we have to trust in God and go back to what I've been saying, that he's not going to put you in a place that you're not prepared. He's not going to leave you hanging. He has already made way for you to step out. He is just looking for your obedience. God is pretty cool in the way that he uses us to, he uses the things that he's asking us to do to affect more than just us. Like I said, that ripple effect. Meaning your obedience today could affect someone else's obedience tomorrow. Just let that sink in for a second. Me saying yes to what God's asking me to do could affect if this person who I'm supposed to come in contact with will say yes to God. That's pretty big. That's pretty big. So let that really sink in. <laughs> Are you willing to put someone else's calling on the line just because you're uncomfortable? Yikes. Now, I'm not trying to seem harsh, but I think we need to understand the severity of being obedient to God. He never said it was going to be easy, but following him is 
always worth it. Always worth it. And that ripple effect, while it affects others, it will also make way for opportunities and blessings in your life. When you step out and say yes, you're opening up the door for the Lord to just pour in favor and provisions and everything that you need. That's what comes with obedience to God. He does not want us to suffer, and he will not put us somewhere that we're unequipped. He knows that we're able to move past being uncomfortable to step into the absolute best life that we can live. That's what he wants for each and every one of us. So in closing, I want you to ask yourself, what are some things that God has called me to do that I keep putting off? Am I allowing fear or insecurity to hold me back? Do I really fully understand the severity of what God's calling me to do? You know, it's not always easy to look inward and to look at our lives. You know, and there's a lot of things that I, even when I was preparing this, I realized, wow, like there's, there's more that you're asking of me, God. But he's so gracious. His mercy is just so reaching and he's so patient and kind. He's such a gentleman. He's never going to come in, and he's never going to make you feel like you're not good enough. He just wants you to live your absolute best life. And like I said before, he's not looking perf for perfection. He's just looking for that humility. He's just looking for a heart that is tender towards what he has to say, that is receptive and takes his word and trusts him over everything else that you're feeling, every other circumstance. He just wants you to trust him. I know that sometimes it's easy to feel like we have all the time in the world. Um, that's kind of something that I dealt with a lot with, with the working out and stuff. I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll just do it tomorrow. I have all this time. Or maybe you're on the other end and you feel like I've wasted too much time. I'm too far gone. I'm too old or whatever it might be. But let me tell you, that's not true. God's asking you to say yes today. He wants you to know this and to hear this because he wants, he's giving you an opportunity to take a step out and say yes. He's so smart and he's so wise and he knows exactly what we need. You know, I'm reminded of um, when the Lord asked us to move back here to Montana. And I know some of you have already heard this story in more detail, but... Um, you might not have heard all of it, and this part's kind of embarrassing, but it has to do with a guy, and this guy is not my husband. I'm sorry, Casey. <laughs> but um, so anyways, this guy and I, we had been friends for a couple years now, and at this point, I was kind of feeling like, mm, yeah, maybe I could see myself being with him. He's got a call to ministry, and he has this and he has that. And not only that, I had friends kind of hyping me up in that direction also. So I had him on my heart and I kind of had come to this place in my life where I had just lost my job and I was dealing with some relational issues with friends. And um, yeah, I was kind of in this place where I was just like trying to figure out what to do. Now, if you rewind a little bit, I think it was August time in 2008. 18, I believe. Um, my parents and James and Riley came over to Boise, where I was living at the time, uh, for a conference. I know Mark Hankins was there. I'm not sure who else. Keith Moore was there? Yeah. So anyways, they came over for this conference, and, um, you know, my dad had felt like he had heard from the Lord to ask me to come back and help with the church. And this had been the first time that he had ever actually asked me to come back. Um, and so not only did I have that on my mind, but at that time, I had also been offered a couple other opportunities. I had been offered an opportunity to go and be the praise and worship leader for another church here in Montana. And then I had been offered an opportunity at the church where I was at in Boise. And then also, like I said, my heart was kind of directed towards this other guy and so I was kind of, like I said, in a place. I didn't have a job. So I decided to come back and visit a couple different times for like, I don't know, it was like a couple weeks or something. 
Um, and during those times, you know, I'm driving back and forth, and it's about eight hours to drive from here to the Boise area. And that's a lot of time to be alone to think, especially when you're in a place where you feel sort of like you've hit rock bottom and you have all these things that you're trying to figure out. So the Lord really began to work in my heart. And more specifically, I believe it was um, when I was heading to what was then home, Boise, for the last time. So coming from here to there. And I'm driving, and I don't remember exactly if I was listening to music or if I was listening to like a podcast or something, but I just felt like what was almost an audible voice, I heard, you need to let go of that guy's name. And I was just kind of like, what in the world? Because let me tell you, I really truly believe that that was the direction the Lord was leading me. And so that it was kind of shocking for me. And, you know, I was presented with a choice there. I could have continued to live in Boise and been just fine. You know, I, I, there's a great church over there. I had lots of friends. I could have pursued and walked down that path of seeing what that relationship with that guy would have looked like. But obviously, you know, I didn't choose that. Thank the Lord. <laughs> so I chose to trust in what God was asking me to do. I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand the effect that it would have on my life. So I get home and I'm in this place where I'm just like, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I'm going to walk through this. So I started to walk out this process of letting go of this guy that had meant a lot to me. And in that, in that healing, the Lord started to do even more healing, deeper and deeper things that I didn't realize that I was dealing with. And in that time, the Lord also confirmed to me that I needed to move back here to be a part of this church. So at this place, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to move back as a single woman to help. And I was okay with that. I'm like, okay, God, let's go. And he was like, nope, I want you to wait. I want you to wait a little bit. So I continued to just go about life healing and pursuing that relationship with the Lord. And next thing you know, I start hanging out with, who's my now, sister-in-law. Her and I start hanging out. We start becoming friends, which one thing leads to another, and I start hanging out with Casey. And we become really good friends. And then through them, they offer me a really awesome job. So we're all of us buddies. We're hanging out. We're working together. And then all of a sudden, the Lord drops in my heart. You're supposed to marry Casey. In fact, we were at dinner, me, him, and his sister, and I looked at him. I just instantly heard the Lord say, you're going to marry him. And I looked at him, and I was like, with tears in my eyes, I'm going to marry you. Literally said that out loud. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so that was a pretty cool experience. But the reason I share all that is to say that one little yes to letting go of that boy, that man. I shouldn't make him sound like a little kid. Um, it, it opened the door to me stepping into the best life that I could live. It opened the door for me to be with someone who is far greater than I could ever imagine. And not only is he amazing and wonderful and I love him so much, but the Lord called him to move back here. That's huge. When I look at what my life would have been like if I pursued that other relationship, I wouldn't be here. God didn't call him to be here. Emmy wouldn't be here. Oh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so yeah, in my being obedient to that one little thing, it opened the door for God to do so much in my life. And now let's break down what Casey and I had to do. We're married. We have, I don't remember how old she was, eight or nine month old. And the Lord's saying, it's time. It's time to move. We owned our own home. Casey had bought it when he was 21. And we were paying, I don't remember exactly, it was like 500 something a month for our mortgage. Y'all, that's crazy, okay? <laughs> like, it was awesome. We had our own home. He had a very, very stable job. Like, he was basically his dad's right-hand man with the painting company. Um, we, had, we were part of a wonderful church, and Casey was, like, super, super involved. And I used to be, but at that point, I was just being a mom. So we're, we have that. We have our friends, and the Lord's saying, it's time. It's time for you to sell this home and to make the move over here. 
And let me tell you, people did not understand <laughs> what we were doing. It seemed crazy, but we knew that's what God was asking us to do. So we picked up everything. We sold our house. We left a good job, and we moved back in with my parents. Hallelujah. <laughs> They're awesome, honestly. Like, if there was any relationship to, you know, parent-to-child relationship, we, we have a really good one, and it works very well. But it's not comfortable, and that's what I'm trying to get to. It wasn't easy. There was a lot of unknowns when we stepped out to say yes to the plan of God on our life. It was not comfortable to live as a grown woman with my husband and my child with my parents again. That wasn't comfortable. But let me tell you what, although we're still living with them, I know my house is coming, hallelujah. I know that that is coming because that is a result of me being obedient to God. What did I say? God did not call us to fail when he asked us to do something. When he asks you to do something, he knows what you need. He knows that I want my own home. He knows that we have to live on this earth. We need money. So he has already been providing things. Let me tell you, the job that Casey's working is totally one from the Lord, 100% suited for him doing something that he enjoys. That's what happens when you say yes to God. And beyond that, the healing, the peace that's taken place in our lives as individuals because we chose to say yes is just priceless. So I share all that to just encourage you to, like I said, go get alone with God. What is he asking you to do? Don't look at it as being small or that's not that big of a deal if I don't do that. I don't see the big picture I know that working out is good for me. I know that it's going to produce results that are going to like create a healthier version of me, but I don't understand the big picture of all of that. But I know God was asking me to do it, so I'm going to do it. I've wasted too much time running away because it doesn't make sense in my mind or because I'm afraid to do it. I trust God, and I'm just asking you to look inward and just really examine your life. It's time for us to step out. It's time for us to break away from that box that we've put God in and ourselves in and step out in faith. You know, um, I before service, I went upstairs and I was just kind of like taking some time to pray and to like think about everything and um, just really seek the Lord, and I just really felt the voice of the Lord. I was just, you know, praying in the Spirit and listening to him, uh, and I just felt like, you know, there's those of us out there that are really struggling to let go, um, and like, when I'm saying let go, let go of control, let go of the wheel, let go of the reins, that's what's preventing us from saying yes to what God is asking us to do. Maybe you know what it is that you're holding on to. Maybe you know what it is that you need to do and you just haven't done it yet. Or maybe you feel like you can't step out. How in the world am I going to do that, God? That doesn't make sense. Maybe you feel like a pushback or maybe you feel like you're stuck how do you escape the cycle? Or maybe you've lost track of what you said yes to in the first place. You've lost that vision of what God has called you to do. You've distracted yourself with other things. And they don't necessarily have to be bad things. But they're things that are just taking place of what God has really, truly called you to do. You could say, yeah, I'm happy. I feel complete. I, I'm doing good. You know, I love the Lord. But when you look inward, you just feel unsatisfied. I just truly believe, as I've been sharing, God wants us to live a good life beyond what we could ever imagine. I know it's hard to let go. Trust me. I, I think in my Christian walk, the biggest struggle that I have had is not being in control. 
that's difficult. Like I said, I like to plan. I like to have it all figured out. But I know that God will not let me fail. And I know he will not let you fail. And so I was kind of, you know, considering like, okay, God, do I do like, you know, do I pray for people afterwards? What do you want me to do? And the Lord actually brought this song to my heart. And I just kind of feel like instead of me coming up here or you coming up here and me praying for you, this is really something that's so personal. I cannot say yes for you. I do not know what you need to say yes to. So I'm going to have them play this song. And I just want us to just really take this moment to look inward and just to really, really be asking the Lord, what have you been asking me to do? Or maybe deal with some things. Sometimes I think we have to deal with things. Get rid of things. Deal with unforgiveness, bitterness, whatever, before we can walk out what he's asking us to do. So as this song plays, I just want you to take that moment and just listen to the words and just really seek the Lord.
Father God. Mm. We trust you. You know that's not always easy. It's not always easy to give up control. It's not always easy to let go. It's not always easy to step out. Lord, I'm just reminded of Peter. Jesus, when you asked him to step out upon that water, to take that step 100% in faith, And the only time he fell is when he took his eyes off you, Jesus. Father God, I just thank you that you are stirring up a boldness within each and every one of us to step out, to say yes. Father God, you will never leave us. You will never fail us. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. You are so, so good, and you want us to live our best life. Father God, you know what will truly make us happy. You know what will truly fill us up. And Father God, we surrender to you. We surrender to you, Father, because you are so worth trusting. You are so worth stepping out for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that you're just bringing to remembrance those things that you've spoken to our hearts, that you're reminding us of those visions of who you've called us to be that we don't take your voice and your leading for granted, God. That we trust that when you say go, there's a reason. That when you say step out, there's a reason. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I don't know about you guys. But that ministered to me. And if that was only for me, then that's okay. <laughs> because um, I'm all about living my best life. Tell you what. <laughs> so um, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm just really humbled to be used by God. <laughs> um, and yeah, love you guys. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles, please, to, uh, just kidding. Um, wow. I knew she has a gift in there, right? Woo. That was good, wasn't it? Amen. Kind of gives you that little oomph you need to step out and do what God's called us to do. And we're going to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, next Sunday, obviously, is our big event. Just a friendly reminder, we have the sign-up sheet out there. Please look at it uh, and sign up for any areas that you would like to assist us in. And if, there's, if you just want to be around, walking around and talking to the newcomers, people you're not familiar with, that would be awesome as well. Uh, but it's going to take a lot of work. And we're coming. We're going to show up at 8.30 next Sunday and then uh, just get everything set up and all that good stuff, get our grills operating tables set up and uh, chairs and the like. And so uh, look forward to having everybody here. It's just going to be a great time of fun and fellowship. And again, it's non-threatening. Invite your family. Invite your friends. Invite anyone you uh, know who would like to. free burgers, free hot dogs. Amen? Glory to God. Well, thank you, Brooke, for stepping out, overcoming that fear, doing what God's called you to do. Thank you for coming. Thank you for marrying Casey. I bet he's thankful too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, Father, again, we thank you for the word that came forth. May all of us just remind ourselves of that throughout the week. May that word take root in our hearts. We look to you for the increase. Trust you for the